Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. Selling a little? Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now entered the house of mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver and Al Warren. 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. No co-host today because the guest we have is just too savage. So let's welcome Keith. Anthony Baird, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm just so pleased. I'm so pleased that you've uh, invited me on your show. It's a fantastic opportunity. You, you scared. You scared all the other co-hosts. Is that what I did? Yeah. Once they saw the cover of you, they were all too scared. They go, they go. You're kidding, right? No. Are you talking about Spinnerest? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, yeah. do you know who did the artwork for that? Yeah. No. No. A no. Wonderful artist called. Elizabeth Leggett, and she is in New Mexico. Um, you might want to check out her website because, well, the publisher, Biggest Gate, um, they, I, I think they like um, Elizabeth's work a lot because they use they use it for quite a lot of titles. Um, and then obviously it was interesting because the publisher is in Kansas. I'm in the UK. And Elizabeth was in New Mexico. So we had a Zoom meeting and we just kind of discussed the things that we wanted. I mean, in all honesty, I'll, I kind of was thinking, I was kind of thinking something a little bit more horrific, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you're already seeing that it scared people anyway. Uh, but I, I was kind of plumbing for something that was a little bit more sort of, um, I don't know, maybe a bit more skull-like, to be honest, I think, in my mind. Um, but it was kind of, it was funny because we were talking about lots of different aspects of it, about the the crone who is the main character. She's she's a necromancer. So basically she has to run away um, when her noble bloodline is uh, betrayed. So all of her family are butchered. Um, the, the soldiers and the hunting dogs are coming after her and she runs off into the forest. Now she's a young maiden, probably, you know, in her twenties, something like that. Um, and she gets saved by a, a hermit who's living out in the wild. Um, but he's like a, a warlock. Um, so he kind of like dispatches the soldiers and the hunting dogs and he takes her in. Um, but because she is kind of hell bent on revenge, um, she once she starts learning spell casting, she she's got a dark heart because she's you know she's wanting that vengeance, so that leads her into a dark heart. So therefore, she becomes a necromancer, but she becomes sort of one with the forest. So um, all of the the animals that are in there, um, all the plant life, everything's kind of she's kind of like in tune with all of that, and it all communicates to her. Um, so she beco- she becomes kind of like legendary. In that in that valley, that kingdom, um, people seek her out for um, you know favors. But what she always does is she always kind of manipulates them, so they think that they're getting what they want. But she just ultimately ends up uh, bringing their downfall and cursing them because she wants to get back the seat of power that she lost. Um, so what Elizabeth did was she kind of had a more subtle approach than, than what I was thinking for the cover. Um, because I mean, there's kind of like a lot of um, spellcasting in there, which creates monsters, which are <laughs> human-spider hybridizations, <laughs> um, which is all to do with spellcasting and using, you know, various components of humans and spiders and all this kind of grim stuff. 
Um, mm. So I was kind of like maybe thinking that for the cover, but Elizabeth kind of sort of said, well, why, do we, why don't we go for a more kind of mysterious thing? So hence the cover that we have now, which is um, the kind of maiden when she was young, um, but with like a sort of twisted hazel crown on there because obviously she's reseeking a power. Um, and then just kind of like elements of the forest in there as well. So it's kind of, I don't know, have you actually seen the cover? Yeah. You have? Oh, yeah. So you can kind of you can kind of see with the twisted hazel, uh, the tiara, if you like. Yeah. Um, it, kind of, it, it kind of gives her like a, like a doe ear. Yeah? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so it kind of almost makes her animal-like as well. And I think the nose has been sort of um, sort of moved in that direction as well. So it's 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 almost like she's one with the animal life. So that's represented in in the the cover as well. So I think she did a fantastic job. I mean, when it came back, um, I mean, normally, as you know, you're a writer. You know, when when you do the you do the sort of um, discussions about artwork and cover work, and you think to yourself, this is going to go backwards and forwards um, over a period of time until everything gets ironed out the way that you want. Um, but actually, it came back, and I just sat and looked at it for about six hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of like transfixed. I was like, "Oh my god, she's done an amazing job here!" I just, I never really expected it to be that way. Um, and kind of like I said, that the forest was there was a lot. There's a lot of times where, um, you know, it's described that the, the ancient forest is kind of in the grip of winter. So there's kind of like that stark element. So. She, she, that's what she's doing with the forest behind. You can see it's kind of like grey and faded. So she's kind of like captured the, the element of a forest in winter as well. So I was just, I was just down. The only thing that changed um, was I got involved uh, in terms of putting the, um, the title on, uh, my name, obviously, the thorns, which are down the right-hand side. And I sort of, put a glowing eye in on one of the eyes because I wanted to give an element of spell casting. So between the two of us, we came up with this. I mean, I'm not trying to claim any credit here. <laughs> <laughs> because, like the work is, is 99.9% Elizabeth's and I just put a few little embellishments on it. So, so yeah, but, but you, you think it's quite scary. From, well, from I, I, I don't myself, but right. I, I have some co-hosts that do, but for, for me, um, I can go pretty dark, so this yes. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. fine. Um, yeah, but everybody has their own, yes, you know, uh, so thing. You know, yeah. you know, some people can't take that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's good for me. Good for me. Yeah. Listen, yeah. why do you why why is it called uh, to help people out? A fairy tale for elders. Well, really, the idea. First of all, it started out as a folk horror story. That's what I had in mind. Because um, I'd only ever written um, a folk horror story, which was a short story for an anthology. So I, I kind of, I'd, I'd, so you could say I dipped my toe in, yeah, but I'd not really gone sort of full-blown with it. So I decided, I mean, I've done lots of other things. I've done, like, religious horror. I've done sort of um, genre mashups. Um, I've done, like, kind of straight horror. Forward horror, and I've done sort of psychological thrillers, um, dark sci-fi. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to do something folk horror. Um, and actually, over here, there's quite a few Brits. Um, there's um, Stephanie Ellis. Oh yeah, we. You know Stephanie? Yeah, we've had her on the show. Yeah. All right. Yes. Cool. Um, and then Kev Harrison. Do you know Kev Harrison? Don't think so. He's a Brit, but he lives in Portugal. Hmm. Yeah. No, you'll come across them at some point. Um, and then there's a few. There's this um, Catherine McCarthy and there's Beverly Lee. Um, and so, well, Bev's kind of like more gothic, really. Um, but I kind of thought myself, I know all these guys. Um, you know, we regularly sort of chat on social media, and I thought, right, I'm going to do something akin to what they do. So it started out as folk horror. And then one day, I think I only had about 9,000 words at that point, and I didn't really know where it was going, to be honest. Um, and, I, and, and then I sort of woke up with an idea, as you do, you know, you go and walk the dog or you go and make a cup of tea. 
uh, you know, or you go and blow your nose, and then all of a sudden you've got a, you've got an idea for something. So I decided, right, how about if I make it a fairy tale? So, but what I what I wanted to do was I wanted to make it kind of like a child's fairy tale, but for adults. So hence a fairy tale for elders. Yeah. Um, and obviously within that, <laughs> I was kind of thinking, how far can I push the envelope with this? Um, you know, in terms of content, graphic content, um, you know, kind of bloodletting, uh, gore, mm-hmm. battles, um, things that monsters do to humans in it, which is some pretty horrific things, to be honest. Um, and uh, But what I wanted to do was I wanted to try and make it almost like a fable, but also like a child's fairy tale, which had like recurring themes, because um, that's, they were kind of fairy tales were kind of like a way of teaching children things. There was always kind of like a, a moral there or, or right. something. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to make it cyclic as well. Um, I know it's, I mean, it's, it's picking up some really good reviews, but I, I know one reader turned around and said they didn't like the fact that things were repeated. Um, and I get that. I understand that. Um, the reason for that was it kind of revolved around the, the spell casting rituals, which they couldn't change because they kind of like are what they are. So uh, they, they can't, they, they can't be altered because the outcome would, would alter. Yeah. So I kind of had to make those things cyclic and they had to repeat and they had to be kind of like the same. Um, and, and, and also that was also trying to sort of emulate what a, what a, a child's fairy tale does, which is kind of like, you know, keep hammering home a message all the time. Um, so yeah, it was, I had those 9,000. I was trying what I was trying to do um, because prior to that, I was staunch DIY. I was, I was, I always put my own work out um, and put it out via Amazon and Audible. Um, and then I decided after about five years, I thought, well, how about I see if I can get with the publisher? Um, so I asked around a few author pals and they said, oh, well, um, uh, Grey Matter Press in Chicago, they've got an open window at the moment. So I went and checked that out. And I, I there was two weeks left. <laughs> so there I was. I was sitting with 9K and I had to make a novella. And I thought, right, now I've got two weeks to make this deadline. So I literally thought, can I do this? Because I'd never, I'd never previously had that kind of deadline pressure before. Right. You know, it was always, I'll just put things out on, under my own steam and, you know, they'll just kind of happen when they happen, when I'm, when I'm happy with them, you know? Um, so anyway, I just said, you know, I'll go for it. I'll try it. So I, I just, I, I sat down really disciplined, made myself grind out thousands of words every day. Um, and then Catherine McCarthy, who's a, an, a, an author in Wales, she said, I'll look at it for you. So basically what I was doing, I was just writing. I wasn't even spell checking it. It was warts and all. It was everything. I just, I'd write like nine, 10,000 words and then I'd just send it to Catherine and she would kind of look at it for me. Um, and then by the time, I mean, it's about 27K. So it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a fat novella by any stretch of the imagination. But um, so it came back and I, I think I had about, maybe three days before the day, before the window shut with Grey Matter. Um, so I just sent it off. I tried with them. Um, ultimately, it, they didn't take it on. Um, but I, also, I sent it to uh, my publisher in Kansas, and, and they loved it. So um, I think from sending it in April of 21, it got picked up, and the contract was signed uh, December 21. Um, and then I've had to wait all of 22 until November before it came out because of scheduling. So it's been about a year and a half's wait for it to materialize. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it can you know, go. You know what that's like, don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And publishers, it'll go that way. And uh, even when you want to do a new another book, it, they delay it. They want it spread yeah. out, right? They They have their own way of doing things. So, you know, but it's a good thing to go through. You do, I, I found going through publishers i learned a lot that, yes that i'm happy that i did because yeah you know without it um you know it, the books wouldn't be as good so i'm, I'm glad i've done that yeah yeah, yeah. 
So when when you talk about um, you know the fairy tales and stuff, and you've got spell casting and and all of this stuff, do you do you take what is traditionally valued and used in most books that relate to this area? So you know the the magic used and the spells and all that are very they work in the same formulas as let's say ones in other books or do you write your own i kind of tried to make this my own i mean i think if there was any kind of frame of reference for it it would have been the advanced dungeons and dragons it would it would it would be that i would say probably visually yeah but um when I was when I was younger as well, like around about the same time as, as kind of getting involved with that, I start, I was I was building up a book collection and a lot of it was mythology, folklore, occult, supernatural. Yeah. So I had the, all of this kind of like bank of of, of knowledge uh, in terms of you know esoteric material, which I just kind of absorbed a lot of that, and I think a lot of that stuck. So with Spinneret, I kind of probably merged those two things together, the kind of sort of visual things that you'll see um, or you'll imagine in Dungeons and Dragons and uh, with kind of like traditional sort of folklore and spellcraft. But what I, what I, what I really tried to do was, was kind of almost make it very mysterious. Um, so like it would, it wouldn't be like kind of easy for a reader to get a handle on it. Like kind of try and always keep the mystery it, it, attached to it. Um, just it kind of it it all evolves from the crone and it all it all evolves from her mindset. So it's all about her dark desires. So I, I was trying to kind of like forge magic from from that, if you like. Um, so it, it would it it would it would kind of like happen, um, and then certain things would be repeated like um in order to create the the human monster hybrids the human spider hybrids they'd have to go into a kind of like an egg sack yeah or like a cocoon a a chrysalis or something like that and then the transformation would occur inside um and this thing would be born out It it would come out you know legs and all sort of be like you know spider legs and human arms and all the rest of it um so it was all kind of dark magic so because it was that, I kind of wanted it to, to, to remain mysterious. Um, so, like, even though the, the reader will finish the book, they're not really sort of hopefully, well, if, if I've done my job right, then they won't really sort of have a handle on, you know, what the process was. Because it was, it was kind of like all her secrets and all her dark, dark desires. Um, you know, people will probably review and go, oh, no, no, it looks like stuff out of The Witcher or it looks like stuff out. <laughs> so I've, I've probably failed. <laughs> but, um, you know, that that was the plan. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so it's it's up to readers to, to, you know, to make what they they wish of it, basically, you know. Right, right, right. So, you know, hopefully... It's been positive in the main, so and there's a few a few people. Obviously, it's not it's not going to sit with some people. Can't get a handle on it because I kind of always try to write out of the box. I don't really sort of you know get a, a standard template or a formula and just kind of sort of stick with that. I always try to do something completely different. And I think I'm, I'm kind of like I, I think my writing is is I'm kind of like chalk and cheese. You know, you, you're you're either going to love it. Or you're gonna hear it, and I don't think there's kind of like any middle ground, you know. I'm I'm not I'm not sort of heading for the mainstream. I, I never have been. Um, so I think for some readers, I think they they struggle to get a handle on what it is I, I'm trying to do with things, you know. So right. Well, but yeah. you know, I try to be different. Everybody tries to be original. So and there's nothing new under the sun, is there? You've just got to try your best. So. Yeah, it's just your interpretation of it. Um, yeah. So when I when I see this, I see um, I'm I'm always interested because I never have written in this category this this genre I guess they call it in dark fantasy and yeah. this, this whole sort of area is something I haven't really delved into. How yeah. do you put this process together in your mind? Are you or do, do you have to have the character? 
or do you have kind of the theme of what's going to happen and yeah. then add the character or what's this all, how does this all work? Um, to be honest, it, it, for me, um, it works in sort of various ways. It can be the character. I can, you know, say to myself, all right, I've got this great idea for a character. So I'm going to build a story around that character. Or it can be, I've got, like, as you say, I've got a theme. I've got, I've got like kind of an idea, a, a setting maybe. Um, but then sometimes literally it can just be, um, a title. So in, in this instance, I was really sort of struggling to get the title right. Um, and I kept sort of like <laughs> putting it down, coming back to it taking the dog for a walk, all that kind of thing, <clears throat> thinking it out, came back. And then one day it just clicked. And then I thought, right, now I can, uh, you know, I'm out of the blocks, I'm up and running. Um, so this one, it was the title came first. And from the title, the theme, uh, which was, you know, trying to make an adult fairy tale. Um and then from that, it was, right, it's going to be this crone character. It's going to be this displaced noble maiden. Um, and she's going to, you know, it's going to be a cyclic story where she she, she comes back to, um, to uh, being, you know, within the seat of power. But it kind of, without really giving everything away, it, it kind of actually does become a fairy tale ending. But it becomes a fairy tale ending based upon the stories that her mother told her when she was a child about the spider folk who lived in the forest. So, like, she she becomes she becomes her own fairy tale because she, she walks away from the world of men because she's had enough of the world of men. Um, and every, all their sort of machinations and everything they try to do and everything they destroy. And so she kind of... I don't want to give too much away, Al. <laughs> Well, has she tried being a lesbian no, then? Or no, what? no, like what? no. Um, it, let, let's just say um, she, she creates a certain thing um, as kind of like a man at arms, as kind of like a protector, um, and he's in a certain form. And then she decides uh, in the end that rather than being in a human form, she wants to be in the same form as him. So she has a fairy tale ending, but lives out her days as a monster. How do you write in the mind of that kind of character? Because you really kind of, you must have some sort of system of of um, getting into who she is, her situation, and where she wants to go. Like, and the anger and the and the and everything else that's involved. So, do you, do you like get? into a character or do you actually see them and they talk to you or you like what what's your process i, I kind of guess it would be um the only thing i can kind of say is is that i try to put myself in their shoes so i guess it's, i guess it's almost like what a um a method actor would do does that make sense yeah yeah um so i'm kind of like well okay i'm this displaced maiden um i'm not very happy about it everybody's you know they've butchered my family um I want my revenge. So it's kind of like the process of, you know, her escape, her ultimate revenge, her being, you know, done with the world of men um, because all they've done is, is brought sort of, I mean, there's, there's a lot of aspects to it, which are kind of like uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. The House of the Dragons. So there's, there's kind of like all those, those kind of houses and, and betrayals. Yeah, sort of everybody's got like, <laughs> you know, they've got an iron in the fire. Everybody's wanting sort of something from the deal. Um, so she has to sort of manage all of all of those kind of desires and wants and turn them around on other people to ultimately make it work out for her. So she brings about their downfall in order to get back to where she wants to be. And then when, when she gets back to where she wants to be, she just realizes ultimately that, it's not what she wants. So it's kind of like a vengeance story, but it's also a, a redemption in in there. And then ultimately there's a love story at the end between monsters. It's oh. <laughs> a monster love story. So, so that's, that's, that's my mind in a nutshell. <laughs> love between monsters. <laughs> 
there you go. And there would be an X-rated version next. Now, you've been writing for a while now. It seems like um, a lot of your writing is very uh, post-apocalyptic and um, very, I mean, on the darker side, okay? Bleak. Bleak, yeah. yeah, that's a good word. So, so you do a lot in that area. Um, so, what happened to you in your life to make you <laughs> decide to, uh, to write uh, in this field? Jokingly, I would probably say that because I went to a um, Roman Catholic old boys' school. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that's probably what made me become sort of uh, you know this this um, dark fiction writer no I, I, don't, I don't really know because like you know it's it's not you know people it's this kind of question comes up a lot doesn't it and like people ask about dark fiction writers or horror writers and you know is this the kind of thing that's going through their head all the time <laughs> you know you know when i'm when i'm in the supermarket i'm not thinking about <laughs> monsters <laughs> you know i'm just looking at a tin of beans or something you know just like what anybody else does um so but no, I, I don't really know. I think it's just, um, I think I just find it so interesting to explore. I think, you know, I couldn't really do Disney. I, I don't, I, I can't, you know, sort of, the, you know, skipping through meadows and, you know, it's all being sunny and bright and then it's, it's, everything's lovely. It's just kind of, that's nice, but it's just a bit dull, really. Um, I like, like, if I'm, if I'm going to watch a movie, I love villains. I'm not particularly into. I like I like anti-heroes the best, you know. Um, you know, someone who's kind of like put in a situation where like, yeah, I'll save the day, but I don't really like you. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of I kind of like anti-heroes, you know, like Kurt Russell in Escape from New York or something like that, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, villains. I'm just and and I think if you ask most actors, I think I think they find playing villains more interesting. They're just more interesting characters, like kind of. Um, characters who are morally grey, I think, are a lot more interesting um, than just you know the good guy, you know the guy who gets all the women and and yeah. you know and he gets yeah. he gets all the money and he gets all the glory and you know it's just kind of oh god, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't like him. <laughs> no, he's the one that gets killed. Um, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Well, certainly in my stories, yeah. <laughs> well, I see that because usually the um, the villain, as you'd call it, um, they, they, yeah, they, you if you if you write it well, um, then the reader will understand so much more about the villain, what what put them together, what put them there, what 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 they're trying to do, and what what their loves and, and yeah. hurts are, yeah. and all that. That all comes with it, right? So that. It's it's much easier to get um, into a detail like that's more interesting. You're right because you got the good looking stud guy that gets all the girls. Well, it's like you know, there, there's nothing great about him. Nobody cares. Yeah, about he's, he's quite vacuous, really, isn't he? Do yeah, mind? yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. no there's nothing to it. You know, daddy's got money and whatever. You know, so it's just that's kind of uh, something else. But yeah. um, so when you write into the dark characters and you're writing some of the dark things and you're in and you've got one of your characters and you're writing, um, yeah. do you find that um, well, like how do you get into the darkness? Do you like do you kind of dream about it or do you kind of do you, do you find people that you think are disgusting in the world or that you don't like and you kind of put yourself as as someone that's going to right the wrong and you kind of. Is that your imagination, or what? Where, where <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how you can write a dark character. Um, it's to be honest, it's just pure invention. Um, it's kind of for me, it kind of it kind of works in a way where, like you know, I just said to you, you know, you said, you know, how did how did I get the whole theme for um for Spinneret? And I said it came from a title. Yeah. So sometimes for me. A character, a whole character, you can just come from a name. So I sit and think about a name, um, and I tend not to have kind of, um, I don't want to use you know, derogative words here, but like sort of bog standard sort of names in society. You know, I, I don't call people sort of, you know, you know Paul or, or Colin or, 
or John or you know my my characters just don't have those kind of names you know um yeah. and and you know i I can see how that works for you know a a lot of things because you know uh that can sort of make a frame of reference for a reader go well he's just like the guy next door so you know if you write something that's about the guy next door then that's going to work but i never i i don't really write about the guy next door um a kind of my characters if you like are in kind of um they're not in sort of normal everyday settings i think bar a short story that i wrote which was about someone who was a killer in society um that was kind of like in an everyday um sort of setting um and that one was it was kind of like sort of guessing the identity of the, of the killer and and hopefully sort of when the reveal came it was it was kind of like people go oh my god i didn't think for one minute that would be that kind of person that that helpful person in society you know so in those kind of settings then yeah um but certainly in sort of more fantastical settings um i need to, i need to come up with a name which kind of like inspires the, what the character is going to be um like for instance i've got a um uh another novella which is um it's kind of like dystopian and cyberpunk so it's kind of like a bit like blade runner yeah sort of like that so say we just say sort of dark sci-fi that's that's what that one is and um it's a guy who's um uh, uh he's a, a veteran um an american uh, marine um who gets kind of um he gets blown up in conflict and he gets sort of taken back in medivaced and and he gets sort of put back together um but then he kind of ends up in a, a sort of military program um which involves kind of like virtual reality and and what have you um so he's called Balam Hendrix so it was just about getting it was just about finding out who he was by his name and then i just kind of built the character from that and everything about him um you know about like um his experience in conflict and um losing losing his wife and child and you know and and you just kind of you know you just kind of build things from there um because you want to sort of you know build the sort of shades of gray within the character um you know and he's he's obviously you know he's you know massive ptsd suffering from that and you know he's in he's in a virtual reality setting um so like what he thinks is real isn't actually real you know he's in a military program so um <laughs> that that one's actually virtual reality within virtual reality um so he he's he's who he is but he's actually playing somebody else so for that one i had, i had to i had to create him but then i had to create his alter ego as well because he's in his head he's he's, he's now somebody else in a, in a different life and that's all constructed and then he he goes he's he's like a bounty hunter in a in a sort of futuristic new tokyo um but he's not really that he's a, he's an injured marine in a in a military program so <laughs> so i had a i had a kind of like have all of his normal experiences running in sort of parallel with all of his imagined <laughs> experiences um and then he's going hunting after somebody and he's going hunting after them inside a virtual reality that he, he gets put into but he's already in virtual reality so <laughs> so that one was particularly complex <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> i can't really give you i'm sorry al i can't give you a straightforward answer to characters <laughs> that's all right i mean that in itself gives me the answer right okay cool got away with it in this book and quite a few actually in quite a few books probably even a lot of the other ones you've done and i i quite a few fantasy and dark fantasy books there's always um kind of a good and an evil yes presence yes. you yes. know there's, there's something good and something bad yes. and someone has uh something awful done to them usually or to their family or to something yeah. that they need to resolve yeah or they need to find home or they, you know, there's, there's always this overcoming evil. Yeah. Yeah. To get to where they want to be, mm. you know, in a very general way. Yeah. So with all, with that kind of an outline, yeah. Um, I would imagine that, um, 
there would be some sort of a a subtext or a meaning Hmm. Or, or something that you're, even if this is organic, because sometimes when you write a story, it comes out organically, some sort yes. of position yeah. that even you didn't think about. And Absolutely. sometimes yes. you place it in there. I mean, it's up yeah. to you, but yeah. I would imagine it would be more organic, but and stuff. So, so if, if a reader picks up the book, yeah. they take it home, they read it. After they read it with all of the magic and all the stuff, all of that action, so to speak, has is yep. besides yep. that. Mm-hmm. Is there something you want them to take away from it? Um, I think if there's any kind of message in it, it's kind of like how we treat each other. Um, you know, all of the betrayals and all of the deceit. Um, it's kind of like it, I guess it. Uh, it just kind of reflects the world, really. Um, you know, and, and how complex the world can be in terms of, you know, interrelations between people and how we navigate all that and, and kind of like how we're damaged by all that um, and kind of how we can sort of get some redemption from all of that as well. Um, I mean, obviously, ultimately, I mean, she she she's someone who was an innocent maiden, but then she became someone who wasn't innocent and, and you know, she was she became very dangerous, you know, so... She was she was kind of completely flipped around, so um, you know she 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 became like the people who made her like that. She she became ruthless in order to get what she wanted, um, and to and to get back to some sort of semblance of, of a normal life, um, and then ultimately find out that that isn't what she wanted because it wasn't satisfying because it just felt like an empty experience. So I guess maybe. You know, she she she's definitely morally grey, without a shadow of a doubt. But you know, she started off innocent, but you know, she she wasn't allowed to be anything else. But what she became. Um. So so I guess yeah. I mean, this if if there's a moral within this adult fairy tale, it's it's kind of like, you know, sort of go gentle. You know, let's let's all treat each other a little bit better. Um. You know, everything doesn't have to be. You know, dark desires, wants, manipulation, machinations, um, violence. You know, it doesn't. It just doesn't have to be that way. Um, and ultimately, at the end, she walks away from all of that because it just wasn't satisfying. Um, <clears throat> and I really do think that, kind of like where we are in the world at the moment, it, it just seems like a very scary place. You know, um, you know, you, you sit and, and you write dark fiction, but I, I think to myself, I'm, I'm not even coming anywhere close to what's how dark <laughs> it is in the world, in the real world, you know? It's, you know, the things that are happening in Ukraine, the things that happen just like in Iran and, you know, the, the mass shootings that we talked about earlier in uh, America and, you know, it's just all these things and you just think, oh, my God, it's just, it seems like it's just kind of like heading off the rails. And it's quite scary, really. So I don't think anything I write is quite like a, even a patch on it. <laughs> yeah, <So>. yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm quite thankful I live in the country that I live in because, you know, you know, things like gun laws and things like that, you know, it's, it's sort of very different here. It could be, it could be, it could be like America. It could be worse, you know, but uh, to me, I think, you know, it's, there wasn't, I I didn't sort of like, I I don't ever try to um, write anything where I'm trying to preach anything to anybody. Um, I don't like that because I, probably from my Catholic school upbringing. <laughs> I don't like being preached at myself, so I don't really ever want to preach to anybody. I just, I, I think if anything, I'll, I just want to make people think, yeah, maybe sort of the thing that they can take away from one of my stories is, is that, oh, that, that, that made me think about something, you know? That's, that's a win for me. If I can do that, that's a win. Well, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And, and you know, I, I wonder, you know, lately I've seen, there's there's so many fantasy and dark fantasy and these types of books and movies that have been popular the last yeah I don't know five years or so maybe ten yeah. it's cer- certainly the a, a huge amount and I wonder if that's kind of for the same reason I wonder if most of them are set in a situation where uh, no matter how awful the situation is it's how we treat each other i wonder if it's kind of the same philosophy in a sense yeah it could, it could be i mean it's certainly it's certainly enjoying um a lot of coverage in terms of 
you know, movies and um, streaming platforms. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, I'd love something like Spinnerette to, to be adapted. Um, I mean, it would certainly have to be effects heavy without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah. But I mean, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, Disney Plus and uh, Netflix, they've all got this, you know, the Disney Plus is what, Mandalorian? Is that what? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then uh, Netflix, uh, they did a, a thing called The Dark, and then they did a thing recently called 1899. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I, I haven't. I've seen the scenes. I've, I've yeah. seen the preview, but yeah, I haven't good. had time to watch. Really yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Those those were shot, I, I believe, at a, um, a facility where it's called, you know, everything used to be traditionally green screen. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you wanted to put a background in or whatever, you, or an effect, you, you did that. Um, but now they, they use this thing called a, um, a volume. So it's kind of like, I don't know how many degrees, maybe 270 degrees, kind of, so you have the stage, and then you have this backdrop, which is kind of maybe a 270-degree arc or whatever, and it's got, like, photorealistic backgrounds that they can just sort of switch on and off at will. So, you know, it, it, it everything can be shot pretty much in one location. So you, you, you're bringing all the backdrops to one location. Um, so... I think something like that would would be ideal for um, for Spinneret. You know, you'd be able to bring the valley there, you'd be able to bring the town there, um, the Baron's castle, um, the mountains, uh, and then the sort of you know huge battle scenes you could do. Um, you could do all that. So, I mean, really, as you know, <laughs> this is kind of aging territory, really, um, in terms of like getting yeah. screen rights, isn't it? So, um, yeah. I mean, at this point in time, I have a publisher, I have a publicist, I don't have an agent. So, um, you know, maybe I need the Holy Trinity for that to happen. <laughs> well, you never know. You just never know who you're going to meet. Yeah, right? that's, that's and, true. And, and where it takes it, um, yeah. you know. But then you can have Kate Blanchett be the star. <laughs> That's a stretch, Al. Come on. <laughs> well, you know what? I figure you you go all the way and you get halfway. It's better than nothing, right? Yeah, true. Yeah, just aim high, and then you're going to hit something. Aim high. Yeah, yeah, aim real high. And, yeah, and what, what the hey? You know, at the end of the day, it'll be somewhere in the middle. So. <laughs> I like your philosophy, Al. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody's got to do it. Here, so. Well, okay. Listen. So, uh, if if someone had never read one of your books before, and you've got quite a few little books out here going on, stuff yeah. like that. So, which one book would you say captures um, the essence of your writing the best? Oh God, that's just a doozy of a question. That one. Oh my God. Right. Okay. Well, this is the big boys here. Yeah. Right? No. <laughs> it's kind of hard because, like. Like, okay, I've got two novels, full-length novels, which is The Jesus Man, The Post-Apocalyptic Tale of Horror, and I've got Next Lexicon. But then I've got a book of short stories, and then I've got, like, um, work in a few anthologies as well, and then obviously I've got this novella, Grimdark. See, they're all kind of sort of stylistically specific, so um, trying to pick something which sort of captures what I do... Um, but let's just say it makes it more accessible to someone. I would say probably the place to start um, would be my book of short stories, which is called And the Dark Horse Dreamt of Nightmares. So someone could start there. There's six stories in there. They're all different from each other, but they're all dark fiction. So you've got like a, a sci-fi sort of story at the end. Um, you've got a sort of paranormal story. You've got a serial killer story in there. Um, and then you've got a few others. Oh, oh yeah, there was a, kind of like a few other sort of occult and supernatural ones. So they could maybe sort of start with my book of short stories. Um, and then I did um, an anthology. I put it together with a, a British author called Ross Jeffrey. We put a, a one called Hexperiments out, um, which is another anthology. Um, and I've got a short story in there called Born of a Barbed Wire Womb. And Ross actually put it forward for a Stoker nomination because he liked it that much. Um, I mean, nothing happened with it. It didn't, didn't garner any interest. Um, but I would say it's probably that story in there, it kind of like 
would be more accessible. Um, it's dark, but um, a little bit more sort of. If you imagine um, the thing, Carpenter's the yeah. thing, um, yeah. set in a Nazi prison camp, then you you're pretty much near to what that one's about. So uh, it's it's all about sort of experiments in wartime that were sort of like secretive um, and hushed up. So I think I think yeah probably the short stories would would probably be a better starting point for people because the Jesus man is like I think it's 105,000 words long and next lexicon is 104,000 words um and the Jesus man was actually the first piece of fiction that I wrote I didn't start off with short stories I didn't start off with novellas um novelettes like an idiot, I dove in at the deep end and I created that massive tome of 105k words. <laughs> so that was my first piece of dark fiction. <laughs> so I, 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 I jumped into the deep part of the ocean for that one. Um, and, and that one, to be honest with you, Al, is very, um, it's cosmic horror, but it's on a, it's on a biblical scale. It's about end of the world stuff, very bleak. Um, it's kind of like if you had The Exorcist crossed with Mad Max um, and put it on steroids. Um, that's that's probably what the Jesus Man would come across like. Um, and a lot of people said it it, it kind of had a um, an atmosphere of Lovecraft and Poe. Um, so I think it's probably a bit heavy. You know, it's probably a bit heavy going for sort of people coming to me for the first time and reading my work. I think they need to go a little bit lighter than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't do light, but I, I do, I do, I do shades of dark. <laughs> Lighter shades of dark, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. short, short stories. I would say I start with those first. Did you find yourself to be more of a natural sto- short story writer, or because you did that last? But I know I did everything round the wrong way, didn't I? Al? That's what I did. Um, yeah. Well. Basically, I wrote two novels, which took me three years because I was working full-time at the time. Um, so kind of after those marathon novels, you know, you get to the marathon middle and you think, oh, my God, you know, am I ever going to surface from this thing, all right? Am I any, ever going to take on oxygen again? <laughs> yeah. um, so then I decided, right, I need to do something where it's just not such a long-term commitment. So that's why I decided to do the book of short stories. Um, and a reviewer actually said, right, so he's written novels, can he write short stories? And then they went, oh, yes, he can do that as well. <laughs> so, um, so yes, I just kind of switched to sort of shorter formats. I actually, at this point in time, I'm, I'm kind of more focused on writing novellas because it's kind of, it's a, um, certainly for dark fiction and horror, um, it's it's certainly a popular one. It's certainly popular with reviewers because they don't have you know the, you know they've got a massive TBR pile of, of books that are just sitting there waiting for them to review. So, like with a novella, you know it's it's a short read for them, but it's but it's still got some length to it. Um, so there's that aspect of it. I think there's a lot of indie presses at the moment who are kind of focused on novellas as well, novels and novellas. Um, so I'm kind of more focused on producing novellas because I can turn one around in like six months, you know, right. maybe four, yeah. maybe four months, even if I, if I really sort of knuckle down and do it. Um, so, I mean, I'm doing one at the moment, um, which is kind of like a side project. It's kind of a slow burn one with Beverly Lee, who's another British uh, author I mentioned earlier. Um, Bev's really known for, um, uh, she writes books about vampires and different, different vampires, different themes, all the rest of it. So we got our heads together and we said, we'll do one. Um, so it's called The Light of Little Radiance. It hasn't serviced yet. Um, Bev's kind of working on it at this point in time because I sent it off. I'd done my sort of section and sent it off to her. I'll come back and that'll be at about the 20K mark, so maybe about halfway through. So we'll be shopping that around in, in 23, trying to find a home for that with the publisher. Um, and like I say, I've got my dark sci-fi called Synthetica. That's um, I'm I'm currently shopping that around with publishers. I'm waiting on some decisions. Um, so I think really the novella is kind of like the, the the format I'm looking at and concentrating on at the moment uh, for lots of different reasons. So 
So yeah, I've, maybe maybe I've kind of found my niche. <laughs> well, <it's> very, <laughs> <laughs> By going around the houses the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all right. There's no there's no right way anyway. It's oh, just, that's it just is, you know. Um, so now, do you um, do social media? Are you into fans and readers, and do you interact a lot on? I, I, I try my best. I mean, I find it quite hard to keep up sometimes. To be honest with you, there's, there's just so much going on that you know you try to sort of interact and you try to <laughs> sort of keep yeah. abreast of what's happening. But it, it's so, so fast moving. I used to be on Facebook, but I ditched that because I just I didn't like that platform after a while of being on there. I just it, it didn't work for me. The only real one I'm on at the moment is Twitter. Um, I mean, obviously, given everything that's going on with Twitter at the moment, a lot of people are kind of <laughs> jumping ship to Hive or Mastodon or, or something else. I, I've I've kind of held off at the moment for that. Um, I'm, I am thinking about Instagram and just putting videos out on TikTok, um, but I need to sort of get my head around what I'm going to do in terms of the content because I think certainly TikTok's probably a younger audience, um, yeah. And I need to sort of think how how my work's going to appeal to them, you know. Um, so so yeah. So so at the moment it's just at kab author um, on Twitter, and then I'm building a website which I've got a link to on my Twitter profile. Um, it doesn't have a um, it doesn't have a a domain name yet, but it's all under construction and it does function, so people can actually go and visit and and, and see that. And there's a, there's a tiny URL link on my um, Twitter profile, which will take them to my, to my website. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, if I do anything in terms of – obviously, marketing now has kind of changed. The landscape's changed for me um, with Mickey uh, being assigned to me. Um, you know, it's, it, a lot of it now is kind of podcasts and interviews and, and sort of online magazine interviews and features and things like that. Um, whereas before, traditionally, I was just kind of like focused on social media blasting. Um, so I'm kind of obviously sort of expanding out of that now because I think it can be, it can be a very useful thing. Uh, don't get me wrong. And it, it's, it's one of those things that if you explode on it, then you explode and that's great, you know, but, um, I think the stars have to align for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a celebrity picks up your book and goes, "Oh, I love this," and then you know, his three million followers love it too. You know, so, so I, you know, I, I'm sort of, I'm looking at where I can move to in terms of social media, but uh, like, you know, I'm not really one for apps, and a lot of these things yeah. tend to be app based. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I've got an iPhone and all that, but uh, like, I just, I prefer to do things on computers as opposed to. Um, on phones um, it's probably because yeah. I'm old <laughs> well this is it <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm looking at my phone and I'm going oh god this is a tiny thing and it's uh, you know the buttons are so small and uh, you know so, <laughs> so maybe it's uh, maybe it's a generational thing maybe I need to uh, you know maybe I need to kind of expand that and, uh, and yeah yeah it doesn't hurt to get out there and Throw throw stuff around and yeah. see what happens. It usually it doesn't hurt. It's not yeah. it's not going to bite. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I could put a TikTok video again, throw it out, three people will like it. Yeah, you know, whatever, see what happens. It, you know, it could yeah. it could start a snowball. Yeah. So I really need to. But I mean, I've, I've I've kind of been waiting to see what happened with Twitter as well, and also uh, now that the um, the books come out, um, uh, spinnerets come out. I need to sort of, I mean, there's lots of things that we have on in terms of promotions that the um, publisher's doing and uh, that Mickey's doing and Amy's doing at Abundantly Social. Um, so things are getting driven, you know, not just on social media platforms, but outside of that. Um, but I just need to, I just need to capitalize on it, I think, a bit more. You know, I, mean, I need more irons in the fire, I think. Well, this has been a great, a great conversation and we, I've really enjoyed having you on. I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I'm I'm so I'm captivated about where you live. Well, I'll send you a picture. Yeah, uh, of wine. Make sure there's wine in. 
<laughs> There's nothing but wine here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you surrounded by lots of wine. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, with the well, anyway. Um so we'll have all of your book and information up on our websites. People will be able to find you with one click. Fantastic. And our guest is Keith Anthony Baird. Thank you for being here, sir. Thank you for having me up. I really enjoyed it. You take care. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.